sure is good to us. Bless his holy name. We're going to do it a little different this morning. The service took a different turn, and that's all right by me. I like it when the Lord hijacks the service and changes plans. How about you? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for hijacking the service and changing plans. Amen. But we do want our first-time attenders to know we're glad you're here this morning. We want to welcome you, and we want you to know that. And uh, I, I want you to get your Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 10, Matthew Mark, Luke, Luke chapter number 10, the New Testament. And uh, while you're turning there, I'm going to pray. We'll read our text together while we're, while we're standing. And then I'm going to pray, going to do it a little different this morning. Uh, when I pray in just a moment, if you're here for the first time, if you will have a seat when I pray, they're going to come by and hand you a card. And then when I get done praying, the rest of the church will be seated. Uh, and if you will fill out that card, we would appreciate it. At the end of the service, somebody will come by and get it. We want you to know we're glad you're here. We've got a gift we'd like to give you uh, this morning before you leave, all right? Uh, so let's read our text together while we're all standing, then I'm going to pray. And if you're here for the first time, if you'll be seated, they'll come find you. Luke chapter number 10 and verse 25 this morning. Luke 10 verse 25, and behold... A certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed he took out two pence gave them to the host and said unto him take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou, Jesus says to the lawyer, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. And again, if you're here for the first time this morning, if you'll have a seat. These folks will come find you, all right? Our Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for how you've met with us, Lord. Thank you that Jesus really does save. Lord, we bless your name this morning. God, thank you for these that are here for the very first time. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to their hearts. Thank you for these that have come back again and again. Lord, speak to their hearts. Lord, thank you for these that go here. They're a part of our church. 
Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, and I pray, God, that you would uh, save and work and move this morning. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we bless your name. Lord, that those that are here for the first time, I pray it wouldn't be the last time. I pray, God, that this would be their church. God, that this would be the place that their lives are changed. God, those that are back for the second or the third time, God, I pray, Lord, it would be the same. God, that they'd make this place home. God, that this would be their church. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Meet with us now in the preaching of the word of God. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I, want to, uh, I want to take just a little bit of your time. I know we've sang this morning. Boy, I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I walked out of my uh, office this morning, out of my study, and the parking lot was full. Uh, our, our gravel area over here, there's, there wasn't nowhere else to park over there. People was in the grass here and in the grass over there. And uh, man, what an exciting, uh, what an exciting time. Uh, our meeting's coming up. We're excited about it. Uh, exciting days around here. Uh, babies on the way. Babies being born all the time. Uh, man, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God for what God's doing around here? And then coming here this morning and a bunch of hell-deserving sinners like me and you before God found us and God meet with us like he did this morning. Let the choir sing in the power and presence of the Lord. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I'm grateful. I'm full. I bless the Lord. And no place I'd rather be this morning than right here. And uh, thank God for where I would have been, I'm not there. Where I should have been, I'm not there. There's a lot of places I would have been, should have been, and could have been. But I'm glad for what God's done this morning. I bless his holy name. We read these several verses in Luke's gospel uh, several months ago. I preached out of Luke chapter 10 uh, uh, different outlines, different messages the Lord gave me. Uh, and uh, not too long ago, I was preaching somewhere, and uh, I sat down that morning and wrote some things out. God gave me a message. I've never been able to preach it yet uh, like this. And uh, this morning, uh, 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 the Lord directed my heart in this direction. And so I'm going to... Uh, preach this morning. I want to look at uh, four types of people. I'm just a little bit loud up here. Four types of people uh, in Luke chapter 10 uh, that represent people that are sitting in here this morning. Uh, you are represented in Luke chapter number 10 whether you want to be or not. Whether you realize it or not, you are in the 10th chapter of the book of Luke. Uh, you say, I wasn't even alive then. No, but somebody like you was. Uh, you are represented in this text. I won't take the time this morning to give too much of an introduction as to what's going on except to say this, uh, that there is a lawyer uh, that is uh, at odds with Jesus. Uh, he has heard of Jesus. He has seen Jesus, and he's trying his best to disprove Jesus. Uh, if Jesus is real, then his whole religious system is gone underwater. If Jesus is real, then what he's been banking on uh, is of nothing. If Jesus is real, uh, and, and he knows he's real as a person, he's talking to him. But if Jesus is, maybe I should say it this way, if Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son in the flesh, then this man is in trouble. 
And so he approaches Jesus with this angst in his heart that he is going to disbelieve and disprove Jesus. You better believe this morning, there's a lot of folks, if they could disbelieve, uh, they feel some sense of satisfaction uh, as to say, well, I don't believe, because if I don't believe, uh, then maybe I'm not accountable uh, for what it is that Jesus is saying. But I'll say this to you this morning, it makes no difference whether you believe or not. Jesus is the Son of God, and He's God the Son, and He's coming back and he's coming for the church. And if you're left here or you die without him, there'll come a day you will be a believer. But the truth of the matter is, is that's a lie. Uh, you do believe. Uh, you do believe. Uh, uh, everybody uh, 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 everybody uh, uh, is looking uh, uh, for something to believe in. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, I found the truth this morning. Uh, and that's Jesus Christ. Uh, but you know in your heart there's something that keeps folks up at night uh, and says you know that's real you know that's right uh, you know the Bible is true you know Jesus is the Son of God you know there's a creator you know this didn't happen by accident aren't you glad for the day you come face to face with the truth of the word of God and put your faith in Christ and he saved you we were at uh, the funeral yesterday. Brother uh, Clay McNeese passed away, and and uh, uh, Brother Dean's daddy, Brother Chad, and uh, you know those men. And and we went to the funeral yesterday, and and uh, uh, Brother, uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe Brother Wayne Cofield, my wife's uh, pastor as a kid, or maybe uh, it was uh, Brother Brother Randy Bell. I don't remember, but they told the story of Brother Clay running up and down the roads as a teenager. Uh, as a young man, he, I said teenager, a young man, he just got back from Germany uh, in the military, wasn't saved yet, and uh, him and a friend of his was running down the road, and, and the friend was driving and speeding and, and moving, I mean getting down the road. And uh, they told him the story, Brother Clay leaned over to him and said, what are you doing? And he said, slow down. And he said, why? He said, don't you know I'm not saved? <laughs> And uh, he wasn't saved, but he knew he needed to be. Wasn't saved, but knew he better be. Wasn't saved, but knew if he died like that, he was going to hell. And uh, maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you, you, you've not been saved, but you know you need to be. I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants you to be. Jesus came to save you and can and will if you'll call upon him. This, this, this text Jesus has got time for this lawyer. He could have, and he did recognize his insincerity. He did recognize his, his uh, sarcasm, and yet Jesus entertained him. Jesus talked to him, and Jesus showed mercy on him in the fact that he had a conversation with him, uh, though he was uh, uh, sarcastic in his approach to Christ, and yet Jesus had time for him. If, if, if your first response to Christ was what God held you accountable for, most of us would be in hell this morning. If your first response to the Lord Jesus was what God took uh, as your final response, there wouldn't be much hope for many of us. I didn't get saved the first time. 
that God called my name, but boy, I'm glad he come back again. Amen. I didn't, I didn't trust him the first time that he called me out, but I'm glad, thank God, that he come back by and he called my name again, and I got in. Hallelujah. It might have been years that he was dealing with you, calling you, but aren't you glad he, he let you come to him? Aren't you glad he called one more time? I hear people say, the night I got saved or the day I got saved, I believe that it was the last time that God was ever going to call my name. And I wouldn't argue with anybody about that. If you believe that, I'm glad. Thank God. But aren't you glad he gave you that last time? Aren't you glad he let you know it's the last time so you could call on his name? He talks to this man, entertains this man. Any he sarcasms. And he tells the story about a man, the Bible calls him a certain man. We, we gather that he's a Jew. He's coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and uh, the Bible talks about him falling among thieves. The Bible talks about this Levite and priest that comes by and they did not help him. They had the ability to do something for him, but they didn't do anything. It would have cost them way too much to, to have helped him. And then the Samaritan comes by and helps this man, carries him to an end and cleanses his wounds and takes care of him. And the Samaritan in the text is literally a type of the Lord Jesus. The whole purpose of the, of the text is that the Lord Jesus is showing to this lawyer that you are in need. And if you don't recognize your need, you're never going to be saved. What you need to know is that you, not someone else, but you are the one in need and I came to save you. And if you can leave here this morning and hear the voice of the Lord saying to you that I, Jesus, came to save you. Not, and he'll save your neighbor, he'll save your spouse, he'll save your children, but he's interested in saving you this morning. Now, this is for you. This day is for you. Jesus, come by this way for you this morning. There are four categories of people in this text. At least one of them represents you. Uh, I'll give them to you quickly and comment on each one of them and we'll go to the house or wherever it is that you're going today. Uh, first of all, and I've outlined them. Uh, first of all, I, I would say to you this morning that in this text we, we, we see uh, the certain man, the, the Jewish man, uh, we see the Samaritan man, uh, we see the thieves, and we see the Levite and the priest. Each one of those describes or represents a, a certain type of individual. Uh, I, I, I'll give you the most, ob the most obvious one is the, is the certain man that is beaten, left for dead in the text. And you can go back and read it. He's the most obvious, one of the most obvious characters in the text. I'll save him for last. And, and, and let's look this morning, first of all, at the, at the Levite and the priest. Uh, the Levite and the priest. When you read the text, uh, you are uh, left somewhat angry with them. Uh, you can't help it. You read and you think they, they literally saw this boy beat, left for dead on the side of the road. And when they saw him... Uh, they walked across, you can read the text again, they walked across the other side of the road and they 
bypassed him, uh, went out of their way to go around him uh, rather than stopping uh, and at least checking to see uh, if he's even alive. Is he breathing? Does he have a pulse? They assumed he was dead uh, or would be soon, uh, walked around him, uh, walked around the side of the road uh, to avoid him. And when I read that, I think what a sorry, low-count individual. What a no-good individual would do something like that. They saw the need, and yet they made no effort to meet the need. And, and if I were Jesus, if I were the Son of God, I would say there's nothing that I can offer you. There's nothing that I can give to you. You are religious without any ability to help anybody. Here's what I would categorize this crowd as. Uh, they are the religious. They are the religious. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying this morning and say uh, that all Christians fall into that category. I'm talking about people that have religion, uh, but they have not the fruit uh, of Christianity. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy uh, that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power of Thereof. They would represent uh, those uh, who make up dead, dry, fruitless religion that is ceremonial, uh, it is historical, uh, it is traditional in the sense uh, that it is day after day the same ritual, the same, uh, uh, the same stuff that has no meaning and no merit and changes nobody's life. They are religious, but they offer no hope. They are religious, but they offer no help. They are religious, uh, but they'll not go across the street to go out of their way to help a man uh, who is on his deathbed. Uh, it is the deadness and the dryness of religion. Uh, but oh, I want to say to you uh, that Jesus came to save that crowd as well. I'll illustrate it in a moment. But you might be sitting in here this morning and you have a religion without power. You have a religion without promise. You have a religion without hope or help. It is dead. It is dry. It's never changed you uh, and it's never changed anything in your life I want you to know Jesus died on the cross to save the religious from their sin theirs is a works based religion anyhow all of their doings is merit based and you've always got to do more and more and more and more and, and you've got to outdo this one and that one and we measure or they measure themselves against other men and they say stuff like this well I'm not the best but I'm better than him. I'm not the best, but I'm better than her. People say this, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like God, but I'm better than people that go to church. The problem is this morning is only religion measures themselves against people that go to church. And measuring yourself against me, uh, you might measure up pretty good, but it's not me that you measure yourself up to. Uh, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And against him, you fall short every time. They are the religious. I read somewhere not too long ago that, and it at least gave me a little sympathy for these men that I, I kind of had an understanding. Uh, because they were Levites, because they were priests, they had a special office in the temple. And that special office of going in and out uh, into the sacrifice, into the temple worship, uh, required that if they touched anything dead uh, 
or bloody or contaminated. They were to quarantine themselves. I, I believe uh, that, that, that my memory serves me right. Uh, for seven days, they were to quarantine themselves. It may have been ten days, I don't remember. But they quarantined themselves for several days uh, to make sure that they had not come in contact with something uh, that, was, uh, uh, that was filthy uh, or vile or polluted. Uh, and they had to quarantine and cleanse themselves. So for these men to go across the street to where he was and to touch him and help him meant that, uh, that uh, they had to go and separate themselves for seven to ten days somewhere around there. That's a lot to ask of anybody. And so they, they, they maybe if they could have thrown some money at him and that would have helped, they'd have done that. Religion loves throwing money at problems. Uh, maybe if they could have hired it out, contracted it out, they would have done that. Uh, but religion is always self-interested. Uh, it is always self-invested. Uh, it is always about self. Uh, it is promoting uh, of oneself and one's ability and what it is that makes us feel good about ourselves. And no doubt these men walked away at least feeling good uh, that there was sympathy in their heart for this man. That's where a lot of folks are in church. They have no power that's changed their life. They, 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 they have rules, they have rituals, they have regulations, uh, but they have no relationship with Christ. Everything is a motion. Everything is a ceremony. Everything is a, is a, is a movement towards another work that I've got to do. I want you to know something this morning. If Jesus ever saves you, it won't be ritual. If Jesus ever saves you, it won't be ceremony. If Jesus saves you, it'll be relationship. But these are the religions. They're right here in our text. A Levite and a priest. And I look at them and I think I wouldn't have any time for you until I realize how religious I've been before. And sure am glad God had time for me. But I find them in other portions of Scripture. I read about the religious in John chapter 3. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Because he was a ruler of the Pharisees. He was a leader in the Jewish religion. And uh, he was afraid to come to God by day, uh, to come to Christ by day, because he was afraid of what people would think. He was afraid that someone would know that he was missing something. He was afraid, are you hearing me this morning, that somebody would know uh, that he uh, had need of Jesus Christ. And his religion bound him up so bad that he could not approach Jesus in the daylight hours. But in the nighttime hours, he snuck to Jesus and approached him in his religion. I find that Jesus preached in John chapter 3 uh, to Nicodemus and he said you must be born again. Uh, John chapter 3 verse number 16 he said for God it was a message preached to a religious man. Jesus sat there and took time for a man who was trying to work his way into heaven and he said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
What I'm trying to tell you this morning uh, is that represented in our text is a religious man, a Levite and a priest, a man who is not willing to pay the price to go across the street and help this man, a man that is empty and can offer no help and no hope. Uh, and you'd think that Jesus would pass him by and yet Jesus offers salvation to the religious. And if you're sitting in here this morning and all you've ever known uh, is a rosary bead, all you've ever known uh, is a religious work, all you've ever known is going to church for the practice of religion. I want you to know that today Jesus could save you and it could be much more than religion. Baptism don't save you. Hail Marys don't save you. Baby baptism don't save you. What does? Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And Jesus preached this story to this lawyer because this lawyer was religious. He had all of these religious ducks in a row, so he thought. But what he did not realize is that there was nothing he could do that would merit the goodness of God. There was nothing that he could do that could earn God's heaven. The Bible said our righteousness is as filthy rags. It really is egotistical for you and I to think that there's something that we're doing that God would look at and say, oh yeah, that's good. I'm going to put these in hell because they didn't live up to you. But you have, well, preacher, I'm banking on that my goods are going to outweigh my bad. Okay, let's say that were true and it was a merit-based religion and your good outweighed your bad. What's going to happen to your bad? If your good outweighs your bad, you still got bad. And if you still got bad, then all that bad's going to heaven with you when you die and heaven wouldn't be heaven with all your bad. Well, there seems like there's no hope. There's not, except for one thing. That Jesus takes all your good and your bad and your good ain't good like you think it is. As a matter of fact, the good that you think you have uh, uh, that you would call your righteousness, he said all our righteousness is as filthy rags. The best you could come up with is not good enough. And so Jesus just takes all of you, takes it to the cross of Calvary, dies in your place, and he takes all your sin uh, at the cross and he gives you all of his righteousness. And this morning you can leave here standing in the righteousness of Christ. When people say, oh, how do you know you're going to heaven? You say, because I got all of Jesus one can get. How did you do that? I told him I was a sinner and I needed a savior. He took all my unrighteousness and gave me all his righteousness. I need to move on, but I want to stop right here and shout glory to God. When I came to Calvary a sinner, I came with all my unrighteousness and he reached and got all my old past sin, reached all the way out to the end of my days, got all of my sin and took it to the cross. In exchange, he gave me all of his righteousness. 
This morning, you're looking at a man. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're looking at one who is enjoying life on the other side of Calvary, knowing that my name's in the Lamb's book of life because my sins have been paid for in his blood and I have his righteousness. It's been imputed to me. Jesus came to save the religious. Oh, yes, he did. I'd say to you secondly this morning, the, the religious, I, well, let me give you this fella. The priest and the Levite represent the religious people. We see God saving him, preaching the gospel to them in John 3. And then you see Jesus preaching the gospel to the religious in Luke chapter 15. Two boys, both of them had father issues. Both of them had field issues. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, give me everything coming to me. I'm a rebel and I want to go. He hit the road. He had father issues. He had field issues. He said, I don't want to work this field no more. I want to go live it up. He didn't like what he was doing at the house. The prodigal. We love prodigals and we appreciate prodigals, and I'm glad God will save prodigals too. But this other boy, he's the Pharisee. And he had father issues. He thought he could talk to his father any way he wanted to as well. And he had field issues. He stayed in the field, but he was mad about it. That's what religious will do, religion will do to people anyhow. You'll still be just as mad about what you're doing as the rebel who ain't doing it anymore is. But you're going to keep doing it because you're too religious to swallow your pride and not do the thing that you have told everybody you're doing because you're righteous. Oh. And the only reason you're hanging around is pride. That's the only reason you're still doing it is pride. But you got just as big a field problems as the prodigal. Are you hearing me? The prodigal's like, I ain't doing this. I ain't living this life. Why would you if none of it was real to you? But the other brother, he said, well, I ain't leaving. I'm better than you are. But he was just mad he was still there. He hated the brother because the brother left and he had to stay. Neither one of them liked the field they were in. You won't like the field you're in until it becomes your field. How does it become your field? You get born again. Y'all help me right there. You're trying to earn something. That prodigal come home. The elder brother got mad and threw a temper tantrum and wouldn't come to the party. And aren't you glad when prodigals come home, boy, you better show them mercy and grace. Oh, God help us. Get over your judgmental spirit self. They come home in repentance and wanting to get it right. Let them get stuff right when they want to. I understand if people ain't ready to get stuff right, just be kind to them. But when somebody comes home ready to get it right, I mean lavish them with love and grace and joy. The prodigal. When people come back into our church, when people come back and they've been out and, and, and they say, well, where have they been? What have they been doing? It ain't got nothing to do with you. Just be glad that God let somebody come back home. 
But this other boy sat on the porch mad. I'm trying to hurry this morning. Sat on the porch mad. And, and, and you'd say, well, oh, the, 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 there's something wrong with this boy. It is. He's eat up with religion. Father walked out on the porch and said, Son, let me talk to you. And you better believe that one who's been down in the hell hole, he's been wallowing in the muck and the mire and the filth of sin. If he'll come home, Jesus will talk to him. But I'm glad, thank God, he's not the only one he's interested. These folks have been sitting in a church pew and you eat up with pride. You've never left here. You've been here your whole life and yet you've never known joy in it. You've never known peace in it. And you say, Preacher, would God come talk to me? He's talking to you right now on the porch. Maybe this morning your category is the religion, the religious. I want you to know Jesus came to save you. Religious. I I, I see another category this morning, verse number 33, Luke chapter 10. Let's let's look at it quickly. Uh, Are are y'all good? I'm hurrying. Luke chapter 10, verse number 33. He came to save the religious, but verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He came to save religious people. He came to save rejected people. He's a Samaritan. It won't take a long time to preach this this morning. He's a Samaritan. The Bible said that the Samaritans were despised. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Bible said that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And yet you find one in the text. And in this text, he is a type of Jesus. But he represents more than Jesus in this text. He represents a people that are rejected. You've got the religious, and Jesus came to save them, but you've got the rejected. Jesus came to save them. They hated the Samaritans because the Jews were very big on keeping their Jewish bloodline pure. So that meant a Jew married a Jew, a Jew married a Jew, and they, and they, and they kept the, the family bloodline. It was not even just that they married a Jew, but they, they were very strong on, them, on the bloodline. The Samaritans were called dogs because they had mixed bloodlines, and they were partial Jewish bloodlines, but they were mixed. They hated them, despised them. The Jews had no dealings. They thought that they were beneath them. They wouldn't walk across the road to help anybody. It is amazing that this Samaritan did. He is a type of Jesus, but he must have ran into the Savior at some point who takes rejected people. And I've been preaching on uh, blessed are the merciful. You know why he was able to give some mercy? Because he had received some mercy. I was rejected, I can hear the Samaritans say. They wouldn't even talk to me. They wouldn't let me in their religion. But a man came along. His name was Jesus. (laughs) And he took me, though I was rejected. Though nobody else, they wouldn't let me in their religious circle. They wouldn't let me in their religious ceremonies. I didn't belong. They wouldn't let me in on what they were doing. But I met a man named Jesus who come to save rejected people. He did not just come to save religious people, but he came to save rejected people. Those are them kids without a daddy. Them kids that would ride in on a bus. 
them, them, them folks without, without a spouse. Listen, I'm not trying to belittle no, but you understand what I'm talking about. Kids that grow up and they've been abandoned and husbands that's been abandoned and wives that's been abandoned and they feel rejected and, and little kids that grow up uh, without a father or a mother and they've been in foster care somewhere and they've been passed around and abused and beaten and battered uh, and you'd say, preacher, nobody in this world wants me but I want you to know sitting right here this morning that the great big old God of glory he wants you and he came to save you you may not have had a strong father with discipline that loved you and led you and guided you your mother may have never been around and she may have never invested you uh, and you may have come up on the wrong side of the tracks you may have come up on the bad side of the street you may have come up with drugs in your system born with drugs in your veins and before you could talk all that was introduced into your life and you say no one's ever wanted me oh there's one and he wants you uh, and he wants you and he come to save you and he will save you Go down there to the jail and tell all them boys down there there's one and he loves sinners and he'll save you out of the jail. He'll save you down at the hospital. He'll save you wherever you are. We got these young men go down to the Garden City Rescue Mission, the homeless. And they'll go down there and preach to them, young men and adult men, go down there. And I say, keep on going, men. Keep on preaching. And let them know that you may be on the outskirts of town. You may be in a bad place. But the same God that'll march into Crossroads Baptist Church on a Sunday morning and preach to a bunch of people who come to go to church will go down under a bridge and save a homeless man from his sin if he'll call on him. He came to save the rejected. Boy, I appreciate our kids around here. I like, I like seeing them come up in church. They look like they're going to church. Mamas and daddies pour into them and say, we're going to church. And they get all dressed up and dolled up and ready to go. But oh, listen to me. You let them kids know that you ain't no better because you put a tie on. We was all a bunch of hell-bound sinners until Jesus. And oh, listen, them little kids that seem rejected, them people that seem rejected, Jesus has got love in his heart for them as much as it does. As a matter of fact, most of us were rejected. All of us were rejected from heaven apart from grace. I'm talking about rejected from society. It's about all of us, about one generation from being rejected from society. Some of us were on a path there quick. Jesus came to save the rejected. Oh, I wish I wasn't such a long-winded preacher. John chapter 4 is illustrated. The Samaritan woman to the well I don't remember I should have looked it up I don't remember but she went to the hour I think it was noon wasn't it noon huh ninth hour wasn't that noon or no yeah three o'clock 
Whatever time it was, it was the time when other women were not accustomed to going to the well. She went to the well because she was rejected as a Samaritan. But the Bible said, John chapter 4, that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. You know why he must go through Samaria? Because in the foreknowledge of God, he knew that there was a Samaritan woman who was rejected, who was going to get water at a well at a time. And all the other women who were accepted were going to be there. And she wasn't going when they were there. She waited till they left. She went over there so she could draw water by herself and take it back home. And it just so happened when she got there that day that there was a man who knew she was rejected. And he was sitting there at the well waiting on somebody to draw him some water. <laughs> and she got there. And he said, boy, I sure am thirsty. You reckon you could draw me some water? And she and the Lord Jesus got to talking about water. And it wasn't too long the water he was talking about was different than the water she was talking about. And he said, I want you to know I've got some water. And if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about salvation to a rejected woman. She said, well, he said, go home and tell your husband. She said, well, I... I, I don't have one. He said, that's right. You got five of them. And the one you're with right now ain't yours. Oh, boy, she's rejected. And when Jesus got done with her, he told her truth. And you're looking for a Jesus that won't be truthful with you. You're not looking for the Jesus of the Bible. He is not going to avoid your sin. He is not going to bypass your sin. He was honest. He said, you've got five, and the one you're with right now is not yours. I mean, he laid her sin out. He will yours too. For you. But by the time she got done, he had saved her. He saved her, and she went home and told that whole crowd, come see a man. That told me whatsoever thing ever I did. I want y'all to know I was rejected. Nobody wanted me. Nobody cared. I was kicked out, passed around, and nobody cared. But a man named Jesus came to save rejected people. And if you're here this morning and you feel rejected, Jesus came to save you. Isn't that good? Religious people, rejected people. There's also another individual in this text. I'm preaching quick. I'm hurrying. The Bible said that the man, the, the, the man who was beaten, fell among thieves. So we find that there are thieves in this text. I'd call them rebellious people. Of course, they're rejected and maybe even somewhat religious. I don't know, but they are rebellious. They go against society. We can see the poor and dirty and filthy and rejected. You go to a third world country and you say, oh, these people are rejected by the world. Jesus come to save them. We see the religious, they tout their success. And they promote their religion. They brag on their self. I tithe. I go to church. God is very pleased with me. You make me sick. But I'm not God. You make God sick.
God's not impressed with your religion. He's impressed with his son. And that's the only thing he's impressed with. His son. And you want to talk about, well, how'd you get here? Jesus. That's the only thing that works. What are you doing here? Jesus. What are you doing here? Well, I tithe here. And I help build this place. And I, come on now. What are you doing here? Well, I was going to hell and Jesus come over here and saved me. And now Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What does the reject say? Jesus. What does the religious say? Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? He takes the rejected of society and the religious of society and puts them on the same playing field. Level. Then you have the rebel. They go against society. They don't fit in. They're they on the other side. They are thieves. They, they come to this man and they take what's his. They, they rebel against the law. They rebel against everything that makes civil society function. And I'm going to tell you something. Ain't much more that I can't stand than a thief. And it would take something that belonged to somebody else. Thief. A rebel. What do you think ought to happen to a thief, preacher? Justice. I think if a man's a thief, and he walks into a watch shop, and he hits the man who owns the watch shop, and he beats him, and he steals his watches, that he ought to go to prison. And, and I think if we started dealing with some of these folks, they'd quit doing stuff. But they know ain't nobody going to deal with them. And they get by. And the man who fights back against the thief goes to jail because he shouldn't have fought back. Isn't that a crazy, upside-down, twisted, turned-around world we live in? I believe that the thief ought to receive justice and he ought to receive punishment. He has broken the law. And civil society don't work any other way. But oh, I love that verse. Wrath, remember mercy. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jesus come to save thieves. Now he won't leave you a thief if he ever saves you. You'll quit that thieving business. You won't even want to talk about it no more. You'll quit that thieving. That thief on the cross is my illustration. And he's dying there and he's going to die for the crime that he's committed. He's going to pay the debt for the crime that he's committed, but hanging right there on his deathbed, before the electric chair, before, uh, the, before he receives, I know it's not, but it's a, seemingly a, an electric chair, he's going to die at the firing squad, so to speak. He's about to pay for his sin and his consequence, but he looks over at Jesus and he said, I know I'm a thief, I'm a rebel to society, and I know most wouldn't have anything to do with me, and I know there's not a whole lot of mercy for a guy like me but I want to ask you would you remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom you say what was he saying God I'm about to leave this world and I'm going to die a thief I've broken your law would you save me <laughs> and what did Jesus say to a thief today oh I need some help today 
Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus looked at that rebel and he said, I'll change you. And I believe that boy quit being a rebel right there before he took his last breath. God washed him and made him clean. And if you've been a thief, if you've been a liar, if you've been a, if you've been a sinner of great degree, God come to save the rebel as much as the religious and the rejected. Found your category yet? I don't know, maybe you have. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The lowest of the low. And yet we find Jesus saving. Here's the last one. It's a little broader. Verse number. I had it written down first, but I decided to preach it last. Verse number 30, Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Bethany. A certain man. Probably a Jew, but the Bible don't say much about him. It's just a certain man. Jesus come to save regular people. Certainly. He's unnamed. We don't know his name. We don't know his background. We don't know anything about him. He's just a regular guy, a certain man. Jesus came to save rebels. He come to save religious people. He come to save rejected people. He come just to save regular people. Now, all of us are a thief and certain ways and you say well I've never stole anything we stole God's glory before we gave it to him all of us have been rejected to a degree say preacher I didn't come from the bottom I come from a good family preacher I didn't I didn't come growing up in religion I don't understand all of that I didn't I'm not a rebel I'm not trying to fight the system I'm just a regular guy you know something this morning. Jesus come to save regular guys and regular girls. Some folks trying to do your best. You work hard, trying to provide for your family. Felt like, well, maybe our family needs to go to church. Maybe we're missing something. And you show up one day. You ain't ever stole nothing that you can remember. You ain't cussed God. You pay your taxes. You do the best you can. But oh, you need to know you're a sinner. And Jesus come to save you as well. I don't know what category you find yourself in, but you're one of them. Jesus looked at that lawyer and he said, I want you to know that he come to save you. He's the only one that can. Will you come to the piano? Some of you this morning, very vividly, you realized which category you were in. And you want to, may want to come thank the Lord that He got you out. Some of you this morning, you've heard truth today that maybe you've never heard in your life. God spoke to you in a way you never heard His voice. You need it. I want you to trust Him this morning. 
a stand all over the building and give people the opportunity to slip out of their pew if they need to? Would you talk to the Lord this morning? What about it?